Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylock. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Today, we'll discuss a topic that some Christians might think to be a contradiction to sound doctrine. That discussion asks the questions. Should Christians divide the Word of God? And if so, what does that even mean? As always, we ask you to join us as we take a deep dive into Scripture to answer these important questions. Let's all listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy. Be diligent and present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. First, let's use the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that reminds us to consider the SP, speaker, A, audience, and C, context, of a Bible reading before attempting an E, explanation. The speaker in today's study verse is Paul the Apostle. Some interesting facts about Paul. First, he was born into a wealthy family in the Roman city of Tarsus, located in what would be today's Turkey. Also, Paul participated in the stoning of Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr. And he was originally a Pharisee. So later, when he wasn't preaching the gospel, he had to support himself another way, which was as a tent maker. The audience this letter is written to is Timothy. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Now, Timothy came from a mixed racial background in which his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. Timothy's familiarity with the Jewish and Greco-Roman cultures made him an ideal protege of Paul. As for the context, we see Paul training Timothy via this letter, reminding him that he is God's bondservant, who should stay away from unprofitable quarrels, and stay freshly well-versed in God's deep teachings and truth. Paul was urging Timothy to remain focused and to not go off script, so to speak. He understood Timothy was a young pastor and did not want him to be distracted by concerning himself with unprofitable things. For example, things which will not amount to reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, Jordan, now that we've considered the speaker, audience, and context, we're better equipped to give an explanation. We will best understand today's study scripture by discussing key points in the verses before and after. So today we will find that these verses to be an expose by Paul to Timothy on how to become an elite servant of God and not just an average Christian. Starting in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 to 4, Paul claims to always be in deep prayer for Timothy, remembering his tears because of suffering and service for God. And then moving on in verses 5 to 7, Paul tells Timothy that he was aware of his grandmother's and his mother's sincere faith, which now dwells in him, Timothy. 
And by doing this, it leads Paul to teach and remind Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and discipline, or in other words, sound judgment. Yes, Andy, some suggest Timothy might have been a little scared to be a pastor because of his young age. And you know, Paul was probably concerned that Timothy could be bullied, so to speak, and or distracted by older church members. And moving on, you know, in verse 8, Paul says, quote, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, and that's a key phrase, join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Maybe you can uh, sort of discuss, Andy, this uh, Paul's invitation for suffering. Yeah, Jordan, you know, it makes me think of Romans chapter 8, verse 17, and I'm going to go there now and read that for our listeners. And it says, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if, and here's the variable, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So here we see that there's a condition. We know from the beginning of this verse that we are children of God because of our faith, which again is because of Jesus's you know, determination before the beginning of time that he wanted us to be his children. Right. So we, we praise God for that. But then later on in the verse, we see that there's a condition that says that, well, if we're willing to suffer, to go more than just believing in Christ, but actually willing to go the distance and whatever life, com- you know, com- whatever comes your way, knowing that you're going to have to step up, if you will, and, um, you know, and have to suffer. If people mock you, put you down, question you, judge you for being a Christian, it's part of the territory. And with that comes a reward, which is to be joint heirs with him. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to connect those two things. Again, you know, it may seem, reading this, that Timothy might have been a little intimidated as he was a younger pastor. So he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And then as, as, you, as you connected Romans 8 with this verse, he says, join with me in suffering for the gospel. So you see why he said that, right? We're starting to sure. build this case. It's pretty clear. Amen. You know, the next verses I'm going to read, Jordan, um, what we're going to talk about, verses 9 and 10 here. And again, these are verses before our study verse today. And we're doing this so that we can explain our point, right? We want people to understand the context of this verse and why it's so important. And I know if you, you know, just bear with us and listen carefully, because by the end of the lesson, you'll understand where we're going with this. So it's just very important that these next two verses, you understand that those are, these verses are foundational keys for proper and true doctrine. And they go like this, God who has saved us, and notice it's written in the past tense, and called us, past tense again, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Now, I'll stop right there. That leads me to, it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and I'm going to read that to just support what Paul is trying to say here to Timothy. And most people know these verses by heart, and they go like this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we see here that it is by God's purpose and by God's grace that we even believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And then moving on, it says, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, which basically means before time began for, for, you know, for human nature. So it's predestination is what it's speaking of there. And then again, moving on, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In support of this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
Verse 55 reads, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So we see here that Paul is again referencing what he wrote to the Corinthians, and he's reinforcing it to Timothy. And then finally, immortality through the light of the gospel, we understand that how that comes is through the word, and it's Romans chapter 10, verse 17, which I believe says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yes, that's correct. Some translations say by the word of Christ, but the same, the same intention. Okay, moving on, uh, 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him, that's capital H, speaking of Jesus, until that day. So Andy, what did Paul entrust God with? Well, exactly. this is a, a really important verse. I think a lot of people skim through this and don't stop to pay attention. Paul is actually running to Timothy. He's pouring out his heart, and he's saying, look, I put my trust in God that I would have eternal security. That's what he meant. In other words, I'm changing my life. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be beaten, maybe even to death, which we learn in the book of Acts that he did get beaten to death and then was raised from the dead that he, he truly went all out for the name of Jesus Christ, for the gospel. And not to be an idiot, he says, look, I have something greater waiting for me once I leave this world, and I'm putting my trust that God will fulfill what he promised. So that's what he meant by, you know, his security. He, he trusted the Lord with his salvation. Yeah, you know, once you see um, the Bible through proper doctrine— these little things jump out at you. Little phrases like this that support the doctrine of assurance. Yes. And, you know, there are those people who are believers who are constantly living fear of whether they're going to, you know, the classic story is, I'll get to the pearly gates and, you know, St. Peter will decide if I get in or not. And, and Paul is basically saying that's nonsense if you, if you read what he's talking about here. Like, he went through all these things and suffered all these things, and he lists them in his letter to the Corinthians, you know, the beatings and all the suffering that he went through, and how many times he got lashed, and all that stuff. And he wouldn't have done that if, he, if it was going to be a, you know, maybe I'll get in, maybe I won't get in type of thing. So he's really speaking of his security and salvation, his assurance. Uh, moving on to verse 13, it says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me, and the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And really quick, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, just to confirm that reads, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Right, dwells in us and is sealed in us. That's, that's a good uh, addition from Ephesians. It says, um, so anyway, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrust, entrusted to you. So what is this treasure that Paul's speaking of, Andy? Right, so in the beginning of, of you know, the, the reading here and the early part of the verses that we were reading, we were seeing that Paul was saying, I entrust God with my salvation. But now he's changing the script here. Paul's changing the narrative. He's speaking to Timothy, and he's saying, look, God trusted you with something. There's something important that God trusted, and we're going to learn what that is later on. But it's important to, to realize that because he uses the word treasure. And he says, look, there's something that's important that God gave you, and you need to take care of that and use it properly. So we'll read about that. Okay, so continuing to build then uh, until we get there, we move now to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 2 says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. So what is Paul asking Timothy to entrust the faithful men here, Andy? Is it the gospel of grace? Actually, no. He's not telling Timothy, be careful who you share this with, because we don't want a a non-believer to reject it. He's actually saying the people that you share this teaching that, so basically there's an underlying teaching. There's something hidden here, a treasure, if you will, that, that Paul, once upon a time before this letter, shared with Timothy. Timothy believed it, accepted it, and now was given by God the responsibility as a young man to be a pastor of a church in Ephesus to share these truths with the church there. The people there were already saved. They already accepted Jesus as their Savior. But what Paul is saying here is he's saying to faithful men, and, and if you read between the lines, men that are probably faithful to the Word and faithful to their calling as Christians are living properly. He's saying, make sure that you entrust these teachings to faithful men, not just the average Christian. Great. And then moving on to verse 3, it says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So again, you know, we have to ask this question, is he speaking of every Christian? Is every Christian a soldier? You know, I would say no. Just like not every citizen of the United States is, is in the army. You know, there, we could be citizens of, of, of God's kingdom, you know, one day, if we accept Jesus as our Savior, we'll be in, the, in heaven as citizens of heaven. However, to be a soldier, you know, there's a lot of basic training that you need to go through. There's endurance, there's experience that, that needs to be given to us. And that's what, you know, specifically the topic here that Paul is discussing with Timothy. He's talking about, you know, a good soldier, meaning someone who's going to be a servant of the Lord. Yeah, no, that, that's a great uh, way to look at it because, um, you know, just like a civilian running into battle, you, had, you, you would get mown down if you weren't properly equipped. Right. And there's also a, a metaphors in the Bible about the breastplate and the belt and, you know, all these protections that you need to. It, it's really a special calling and a special type of person who can do spiritual warfare because you have to be properly equipped for that. Absolutely. Um, verse four, no soldier in active service, continuing with the soldier um, analogy entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, interesting, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, now he's switching metaphors here, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So what is Paul referencing when he speaks of the prize? And I think this is getting to the heart of the lesson today. Sure. Again, this, this only supports our original concern to our listeners. So that, you know, being that they might have read these verses many times in the past or were taught these verses, but if you really look careful and clearly, and like, you know, like we mentioned in the intro, take a deep dive into Scripture, you'll see that the topic here is not Paul reinforcing the gospel of grace to Timothy, and, and he's not telling him, hey, make sure you preach the gospel so people can get saved. Actually, what he's saying is preach a different gospel to faithful men who are willing to go into service. And by the way, there is a reward for them doing so. So that's why he's talking about a prize here. He, you know, he's, he's switching, like you said earlier, switching from a soldier to an athlete to be able to bring out that metaphor so that Timothy can relate in his mind that an athlete wins a, a medal or a prize. Yeah, it's good that you brought up Ephesians too, because if you don't, if you don't understand what you're reading correctly, you'll get very confused. You know, if salvation is not of works, then why does he say, you know, you have to compete like an athlete, and he's going to talk about training and right, doing good. all these things that are works. It makes no sense unless you understand that he's talking 
not about the gift, which you, which you described uh, as salvation from Jesus Christ, but he's talking about a prize, something different. Correct. And we've had different lessons, and you can look back in our um, archives and the podcast or online to, to see the lessons about the difference between the gift versus the prize and what the prize is. You Correct. know, there's, there are five crowns that are mentioned in the writings of Paul and other things that explain exactly what this prize is. Sure. I mean, you know, the holidays are coming up for us right now, chronologically, and if you're a father or a mom, if you have kids or even, you know, siblings that maybe are younger than you, you're going to buy a gift for them if you can afford it. And you're, you're not expecting anything back in return for that right. because you love them, right. you care for them. And that's what a gift would be, a Christmas gift, let's say, or a Hanukkah gift. However, the prize is different. It's something that you have to compete for, train for, and earn. So obviously the topic here is not maybe what you expected. Yeah, and to drive this home, Paul is going to switch to a third analogy now. So he talked about a soldier and, and the preparations of a soldier, uh, what he does. He talked about an athlete and uh, the rules of, of being an athlete. And now in verse 6, he switches to the analogy of a farmer. And he says, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. So again, he directly uses the word, obviously translated into English, work. So we can, again, we can't be talking about, about the gift. So maybe you can explain, Andy, how works and effort contradict grace, so, so to speak. And maybe because of this topic, we can have a little discussion about um, that, how, again, this is not the gospel of grace, and you need to go deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, just, just for time's sake, I'm going to keep this as, as short as possible. And again, we, we urge, not the sidebar, but we urge anybody who's got any questions or concerns or interest in this topic, please reach out to us. Send us an email. You can go to our website. It's motk.org. You just you know click on if you have questions, and or you can call us, leave a voicemail, whatever it is. This is important to us, and we want you to understand it should be important to you. If you appreciate and love the Lord, then you have to appreciate and love His Word. And the way we were blessed and we were taught to see the deeper things, we want you to see that as well. So uh, you know, very simply stated, Jordan, we have to be careful not to mix doctrine that talks about grace or the gift and, and, and confuse that or swap that in verses in the Bible that speak about the prize or reward. There's two different places and two different judgments there. Um, and, and again, if you go to our website, we've got many more lessons that specifically talk about that. But for context here, we just need you to know, and I'm going to jump to verse 7 because it reads, and this kind of supports, it pulls, it starts pulling everything together. Paul says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. It makes me think of a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, and I will read that. And it goes like this. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. So just to give you the quick nickel tour of, of what's going on in context in those verses, Paul is introducing to the Corinthian church three different types of Christians. And one of them is a Christian, actually, who's not saved yet, who's potentially going to receive, we're praying, salvation by accepting Jesus as their Savior. And he is called the natural man. And Paul warns whoever is at the Corinthian church to treat a natural man as such, right? Be patient with them. And then he goes on to talk about a carnal man, which is a Christian but is caught up in the world and is not concerned about deep things about God. He's more concerned about himself. And then there's the spiritual man, which is a mature Christian. And that's what 
Paul sees Timothy as. He sees him as a spiritual man. He sees him as a mature man. So moving from here, if you go to verse 8, we see that it says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Paul is telling Timothy, I have a gospel that you know I taught you, Timothy. You know that God gave it to me. It's not the gospel of grace. This is something different. Maybe you could talk to that a little bit, Jordan, for yeah, our listeners. So, so gospel just means good news, and when we tend to think of it, we think of it as the gospel of Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. But when Paul says, my gospel, he's speaking of a different level of good news, and that really is the good news about the prize, as we've called it, um, you know, the good news of the kingdom, essentially, which, which is a, a slightly different and deeper gospel than, you know, than the simple, the simple truth, which is critically important and the foundation of all that Christ died for our sins. So he's really talking about this special teaching that he received. We, we discern from reading um, Galatians uh, in the desert of Arabia when Jesus taught him directly, but this sort of higher message about the kingdom. And really, what's really interesting, Andy, is that if you look at Jesus's ministry, particularly the, the early to middle part of it, it was really just about this gospel. It didn't become yes. about going to the world and and you know, and and preach preach my name to all nations until the end of Jesus' ministry when he realized that Israel was not that he realized, but it became clear that that was a time that Israel was going to reject him and he'd have to graft in a new people into his people. So, you know, really this this gospel of the kingdom is what Jesus taught. It, it was just um, put secondary in, after um, proselytizing and converting Gentiles to the faith. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, you know, to kind of sum it up. Like you mentioned, in the early part of Jesus's ministry, before the cross, he told, in Matthew chapter 10, he told the 70 disciples to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom, telling everyone to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he specifically told them, do not go to the Gentile. Right. But he said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, meaning that the Jews at the time already had an understanding of who God Jehovah was. They were the ones that were in line to be saved. So it was for somebody who already was a Christian. Okay, so now let's jump to our main scripture reading for today, 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Exactly, Jordan. So the purpose of our lesson today was to carefully look at what Paul's message was to Timothy. And that message was to carefully study and be prepared to offer God's word the proper way, not to have a confusion or not to have any type of mishandling of doctrine. And that's kind of like the warning that we have today because there's obviously some churches and you know different denominations that might not be making that effort, unfortunately. So what we wanted to, to do for you, the listener today, is show you that if you go deeper and really study and know your, your Bible, that you will find that there's deeper things in there for all of us. And that's our lesson. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost
Preserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom, Inc.